a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. It's time for the Zero Limits Podcast, hosted by Australian veterans. Chatting with high-charging humans with hectic stories from around the world. We'll give you the motivation to take on whatever life throws at you and the kick to complete any goal you set your mind to. Let's go. Uh, Paul, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, mate. Happy I feel like, I, like I was saying earlier, I feel like I kind of owe it to you because <laughs> yeah. uh, you were on my course and I was probably pretty mean to you. So That's it. So I was on a um, ship's diver's course, which is different to a clearance diver. Ship's diver is a crash course diving that the Royal Australian Navy do for um, each ship can have a um, diving team swept up. Paul was my instructor along with two other blokes. And when Paul come on the scene, everyone just like, holy fuck. You know, here he is, you know, because we've all heard about Paul DeGallo being in the Navy. It's a small community. Yeah. Um, and the first impression, he had his shirt off and he was just ripped to the bones. Like, he was just shredded. And he's there with his board shorts on, all the blue shorts he's wearing, wearing now, his dive shorts. And um, he started just busting out chinnies. I mean, he pumped out probably nearly 20. And everyone's just like, with one hand fuck and a hook. <laughs> one hand, no hook, and everyone's like, fucking. Yeah, but uh, here we are, talking to the man himself, Paul DeGelder. Welcome. Thank you, mate. Cheers. All right, Paul, uh, let's get started in your early years. Oh, shit. Yeah, where- give us a rundown on, uh, you know, where you grew up and uh, you know, how'd you start? You know, um, why'd you join the Army as well, first off? You, you were in the better sorry. service, which was the Army. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, Army Airborne, 3 RAR. Yeah, man. Um, that, that came way later. You yeah, know? of course. I, I didn't even consider joining the military at all until – Basically, right until before I joined. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I was born in Melbourne, or Mornington Peninsula, yep. an hour and a half south of Melbourne. Yep. Um, Dad was a cop, and I have two younger brothers and a younger sister, and he got posted from Mornington to Frankston. So we're in Frankston for another year, and then he got posted to Canberra. So I moved up to Canberra when I was 10, uh, and finally escaped that place. Yep. You know, back, back in the 80s and 90s there really wasn't much to do in canberra no. except get into mischief still yeah. is it now yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i hear it's a lot better now i, I don't i don't know i don't really go down all those kids now are politicians are criminals <laughs> yeah. still yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah i got into a lot of mischief i was yeah i was you know these days i would have been called to de- de- 
kind of say it, clinically depressed yeah. and probably ADHD. Um, I, I just couldn't keep up in school. I couldn't work yeah. out how to listen to what the teacher was saying read what was on the board and write notes in my book all at the same time. I'm like, I can't, I, can't keep, I can do one of those things. I'm a, I'm a true man. I cannot multitask. Yeah. yeah. I know my strengths <laughs> and I know my weaknesses. Doing three things at once is not my strength. And so I just couldn't keep up. And yeah. my, my schooling kept going down. And so the only way I, you know, we'd be up at five o'clock in the morning doing swimming training as well. Yeah, right. My dad was the school swimming coach. And so just exhausted, falling asleep. The only way I could stay awake is by, you know, playing up and, so I get into trouble, and then I wouldn't learn anything. Then I'd flunk my grades. I was getting bullied at the same time. Yeah, um, I got bullied for a long time through school. Was, yeah, right. Yeah. Why is that? Were you skinny just, or yeah, short, yeah. skinny, face full of freckles, big ears? <laughs> yeah, right. All, yeah, all through school in Melbourne, I got bullied. Um, I didn't get bullied year five and six because yeah. I went to this other school in Canberra called St Benedict's, where I had some great friends. Yep. Yeah. Then we went to St Eddie's, and it's an all boys Christian yeah, brothers yeah, school. Yeah, of course. Rug- rugby college too. Rugby college. Massive I, rugby. My own teammates would pick on me because I was Fuck. such a bad player. Jesus. Yeah. So it was horrible. <laughs> I, was, I ended up self-harming. I was yeah. just slashing up my arms. Just this ah. was the only control yeah. I yeah. had. You know, I had discipline, crazy discipline at school, yeah. the bullies, discipline at home. Um, the, I had no, no room for myself. Yeah. So this was my only outlet, slashing up my arms. Um, fortunately, I found another outlet in kickboxing. I started doing yeah. Thai and around the same time I had a growth spurt as well. Um, and so I got a little more confidence. Um, one of the... the the school bullies called my mum a pretty horrible name because she worked in the tuck shop and I went down and elbowed him to the face and Fuck yeah. knocked him out and no one ever picked on me again. Yeah. So, but then, you know, as you do as a young man, you, yeah. get, you get a bit cocky, you get a bit of piss in your skin and you start going out and fighting. And we were poor, like six six people on a policeman's yeah. wage. Yeah. We didn't have anything. Yeah. All of our Christmas presents, our birthday presents, everything was secondhand or homemade. Yeah. And so you can't keep up with the cool kids, so you find other ways to do yeah. it. Yeah. You just go and steal it. So we're stealing, we're fighting, we're drinking. Canberra decriminalised marijuana. We're smoking weed. Yeah. And I'm working in the clubs. I got kicked out of home at 17 because yeah. I was setting a terrible example for my younger siblings. And I just was smoking weed and drinking yeah, yeah. and just on a downward spiral into a life yeah, right. that was going to have zero value, zero purpose. Um, then I started working in the clubs, uh, a place called um, LaGrange. Yeah, right on. Cafe by day and then turned into one of the most popular yep. clubs in the city by so you're night. Ba- doing some bouncing. No, I was I, I was oh, just kitchen Yeah, kitchen yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, right. Working yeah. during the the day and the evening, and then the restaurant would close at ten. Yeah. And because it was one of the most popular clubs in the city, obviously that brings girls. Obviously that brings drug dealers. And I worked yeah. there, so I knew everyone. So you know, we're back at the. You got involved with it. Keg room, doing kinds of speed off the kegs, (laughs) ecstasy and all, and you never paid for it. And so it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then um, I was just about to turn 21. I was living with a couple of guys from the bar and I went to a farewell for a a dude I knew and I got jumped by 20 guys, Mm. um, 20 Asian dudes. Some young kid was trying to get me to buy him a bar and I'm like, buy him a beer and I was like, eat it mm. so he threw a beer at me I'm like oh, oh, oh up I get and one of his friends jumped up and tried to punch me so I elbowed him in the face and then I was like everywhere hands up back out onto the veranda this is the bowls club <laughs> in Deacon and I got my ass handed to me um and I went home and I took a long, hard look at my face in the mirror yeah, just right. like your mum always tells you to do yeah. I was like I can't do this anymore I'm going to be dead or in jail by the time I'm 23. Yeah. Uh, and 
You know, I, I didn't do that well in school, but I wasn't an idiot. I, I read a lot. I knew about the world. I was always watching documentaries about the world. You know, and we had the full volume of Encyclopedia Britannica, and I read all of that. Yeah. And I knew that there was this big, amazing place out there in the world, so many things to see and so many things to do, but I just didn't know how to get there because I was stuck in Canberra and I had – I had no idea that there was no guidance yeah. at home. There was yeah, no guidance at school. Yeah. Like no one told me that there, you can literally make great money mm-hmm. doing anything as long as you do it well. Anything from podcasting yeah. to holding a camera Selling to shirts. being the yeah. sound guy no, to yeah. being a helicopter, anything you want to do, you Correct. can make money off it. And that can take you around the world. And no one told me that. So I just thought, oh, I'm going to work in a kitchen or I'm going to be a bartender. Yeah. Well, like I had no goals because I didn't know what was available. And so I just thought, I got to get out of here. I, and I called up my friend Matt, who'd moved to Brisbane the year before, and he said he could get me a job. So I threw everything into this tiny little car that I had no license for, and I drove 12 hours north to Brisbane, Vegas. With no license. No license. No. That, that's heavy. Yeah, I was picking up hitchhikers along the way and until awesome. I worked out that they're all hall windows. <laughs> Stop pretty close. They must have thought, like, I was the same. This tiny little car, this tiny little Suzuki, they don't make anymore, filled to the brim. Like, they literally had to get in the car and sit in the passenger seat with my bags on their lap. And um, so I finally made it to Brizzy on my 21st birthday. Um, Me and Matt picked up a case of beer, had beers, and then he um, got me a job behind the bar at the strip club that he was DJing at. Happy days. Yeah. Happy days. Good times. I started working in a strip club and became a rapper. <laughs> As you do in Bris Vegas. Let's let's touch on that for a sec. <laughs> yeah. So a rapper, what, ninety eight? Ninety eight was uh the, the climax. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was I got up there ninety seven, something like that. And I moved in with Matt and two American mm. dudes that he was living with. Um and they were running the community radio station, they were working at HMB, they were running <laughs> HMB. 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 <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um they were running like hip hop nights at the clubs. So yeah. I started spending more and more time with them. I dabbled in a bit of rap because I grew up on it. Yeah. Um, Finding white kids yeah, in Canberra, course. of course. Uh, <laughs> so I started dabbling, started you know, writing a little bit, <laughs> and we start rapping at the clubs and we were working at the radio station. And then um, we, we became kind of infamous and yeah, ended yeah. up getting the opening gig for the Snoop concert. That's in insane. <laughs> That's fucking loose. Me and my friend Chris did the opening song for the opening. Of Snoop Dogg. What was the song? Smoke and Hydro. Yeah, right. Is can, that anywhere on YouTube or anything? I think it's on Spotify. All right. <laughs> We're going to get some bars <laughs> on the way home back, back, back to Newcastle. <laughs> you can listen to it in the car. <laughs> that, was, that was a long time ago. Uh, Holy shit. But not a lot of money in rappers in Brisbane. No. In no. Australia, not Australia. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still not like, really, is it? No. Nah, no. The band, really. band broke up, as bands do. Yeah. yeah. Back to That's drifting, it. working in a bar, just going, what am I going to do? Then how did you get into the ADF? Like, what made you join the army? Well, my two younger brothers had joined first, Travis and Sean. Happy days. Yeah, right. And Sean was in artillery at yep. A Battery, three hour out. Yeah. And Travis was, I think, like five seven or something like that. Yeah, right. Um, and so I called them, and they just laughed at me. I was like, "What do you think about me joining the army?" And they're just like, "What?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, right. Yeah. I like they're like. No, you won't make it. There's no way. Like, You're a they, fucking rapper, Paul. Go, go. But they said, look, it's a good lifestyle. Yeah. You get paid to travel. You get paid to play sport. You get paid to hang out with your mates. They're both yeah. in artillery, so they get paid yeah. to shoot rockets. Yeah. But they just said, whatever you do, don't join infantry. 
<laughs> too hard, you won't make it. Right. I had my yeah. baby brothers tell yeah. me what to do. So next to- next day, I joined infantry. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah. And it was uh, life changing. <laughs> I'll always be grateful. Oh, hundred percent, mate. Especially the battalion you went to. Yeah. Not for just not for just teaching me how to be a real man. Yeah. But a valuable member of yeah. society, um, giving me that uniform, allowing me to serve my country yep. and doing things that normal people in the real world will never get the opportunity. hundred percent. That's couldn't, they couldn't courses, even, yeah, like exactly. parachuting, airborne repelling yeah. out of black hole yep. helicopters, um, signals, communications, <laughs> blowing up so shit, much stuff, yeah. blowing up stuff, yeah. claymores, yeah, grenades, yeah. rocket launches, just yeah. so much cool stuff. And the chat, don't forget the, the chat. Sh- oh my God. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. The chat is a bar on base run by soldiers. Oh, okay. And there's a drink called the Shat Special. (laughs) And many a a men have had to be carried home after that Shat Special. Uh, I think you get it when you either get your parachute wings or when you get your wings wings and you get your Maroon Beret, which is the the signal, the symbol for paratroopers around the world. Mm. Happy days. Yeah. I have the amnesia from. 100%. And it's funny because you look at uh, the the man Huey's now with the Shuey. That was a Shat. That was the Shat. That's all he did. Was out okay. of someone's filthy fucking boot. Yeah, or every a beer MP possible. helmet. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Out of the helmet, helmet and yeah. just fill it up and just yeah. neck it a, down. A shot of everything behind the bar had to go into it. And but then, like, and then as you're walking around, anyone you walk past has to pour a little bit of yeah. whatever they're drinking. Whatever, mate. Whatever. You stand on a table and skull the whole it's thing. Like yeah, sing the battalion song. Yeah. What was the battalion song? Wear a pack of bastards. Nice. You'll get it one there. <laughs> it was a good one. Yeah. Every, every time we came home from like a battalion or oh, company just march, anywhere. we marched yeah. through the gates. Yeah. yeah. Formation. Yeah. That's what I love. Like the uh, Army has so much history. Not saying that the Navy doesn't, but um, I know when we used to play the Army in sports and go you know, visit the Army in Townsville, they were just, they were just like, like a click, you know. They were just so like gelled together and like they're the mates. Yeah. yeah. And like the Navy has that, but I think being on a ship, you're so divided because you're so close. You can't stand that bloke over there. You can't yeah. stand Dave over mm. there. But the Army, you know, you're in the bush with them. You know, you don't shower together. You don't bloody, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. You, don't you don't shower. You don't shower together, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no showering. There's no showering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I got to go to East Timor in yeah. 2002, which was an yeah, right. incredible yeah. experience. In effect. Um, they asked me if I wanted to do – they said at the company, does anyone want to do the language course? Yeah. And they speak a language called Terum. And so I put my hand up. And no one else did it except for me in my, in my platoon. And so instantly I become platoon translator. Yeah. After two weeks. Bon dia. Bon dia. Bon dia. Help up azar. La fea crua. Yeah. Yeah. What was that poor? Did you say? Uh, that's um, there's a crocodile in the priest's house in Montreal. <laughs> yeah, uh, was, everyone so, used to feed that crocodile too. Yeah. What? It was actually real. It was a bloody yeah. croc in the priest's yeah. house. Yeah, they used to, we used to buy goats and just throw goats in there. Bullshit. <laughs> it was probably not a good thing for Peter. That's no, if they're listening. I was, I was bartering for two yeah. to get um, fighting cocks so they yeah. go to the roost yeah. fights. Yeah, we had one. We we actually got oh, bought yeah. one. <laughs> that is loose. <laughs> we put it in like a in like a ammo tin and like put strobe lights in there and was feeding it gear and stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. What, what year were you there? I did uh, two thousand seven. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I was injured and I did a had a bad jump in Townsville and bust my shoulder, so I was yeah. out for about a year. Man, I got so lucky. I never Bro, had a bad jump. You know I exactly just, what I, I knew. The secret. Close your eyes. Assume Close, you should yeah, your eyes. Yeah, yeah, lock it in. Yep. Yeah, I didn't lock it in one day and just splat. Yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah. But, yeah, I had, had a good time. But you know, um, 2004 rolled around and they selected – I was on exercise in um, Stromlo Forest. Yeah. 
And my, my CSM came up to me in the middle of it. He's like, hey, um, my nickname was Dutchie. And I get, he's like, Dutchie, the, the boss is on the phone for you. And I'm like, oh, what have I done? Mm. You know, not, the captain, it was Captain Major, the major yeah. of the company yeah. doesn't want to talk to a private yeah. soldier. I'm like, I've done Unless something. Unless you fucked up, yeah. Yeah. And I say, okay, boss, what's up? He says, do you want to go to the sand pit? I'm like, hell yeah, I'll do and there was um, a small detachment going over to Iraq to do yep, SECDEP, yep. like Sec-Dep, bolster yeah. security. Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm like, yep. He's like, I right, pack your stuff, come back to Putin. So I went back to the battalion, packed up, went on pre-deployment training with a small bunch of other yep. guys, got desert cams, got all the gear, started yeah. learning the language. Four days before we were supposed to deploy, they called us into a meeting room with everyone and said, uh, you, aren't, you infantry guys, you're not going anymore. Like Nothing fucking works. The army yeah. said that as long as you know, it, 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 he doesn't want to send anyone for less than three months, and we're only going for two and a half. So he's like, "Cut us away." It was like being left at the yeah. altar. Yeah, and so we went out, and got blind drunk at Coochie that night. That's shit. Um, to the point where the next day we're in the meeting group, I, the CSM's yelling at me to take my my beret off on inside. I'm like. Couldn't even hear him. <laughs> Fired, like his spit landed on my face. I'm like, oh, someone saw him. Oh. And after that, I was just, I, I started losing my motivation because it was the same exercises every oh, no, year, man. the same yeah. trips. And I was just like, I can't do this yeah. anymore. I don't want to be one of these crusty old sergeants or warrant officers that mm. doesn't want to go home, yeah. hates his they life, just, just angry yeah. all day, just green through yeah. and through. I was like, I, I, this, it was a stepping stone for me. For some reason, I I always knew that there was going to be something better. Mm. There was something more out there in the world for me. I didn't know what it was. All I had to do was just keep following the bouncing ball. And we were doing Hewitt training down at Nowra. <laughs> Done it a few times. Underwater escape training. Yeah. I love it. I Fucking love it. hell. Every week we're like, uh, Hewitt training. I'm like, fuck, again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they had two guys in the pool uh, as safety divers, yeah. and I got talking to them. And yeah, right. They were so that's divers. how it started. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, right. I'm still friends with both of them to yeah. this day. Yeah, right. Um, Baz and, and Sharky. And so I asked them about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's a great job. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to hang out and scuba in a pool. I didn't know anything about it. That's all I like. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to scoop her in a pool and hang scoop out. Scoop Steve. And watch army guys drown. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so my, my buddy Millsy was going to do the same thing. He's yep. like, yeah, I'm going to do it. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, I'm going to do it too. And then uh, um, I started looking at how to do the paperwork and he pulled out. He's like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. I, I heard that if you if you fail, you just got to paint rocks, yeah. paint ships. And I'm like, oh, that's Shit. Because I talked to a few people. Yes, no, 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 that's not right. So it took a year to get that paperwork yeah. to go through because no one knew how to do it. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, I was I, I was asking my boss to let me go down and work at the RI store mm-hmm. because I couldn't get any training done. And I'd heard about this selection course they have, and I'm like, I gotta get fit, I gotta put on some weight so I'm not cold in the ocean, so I've got some mm-hmm. weight to lose. Mm-hmm. But I got pictures of me pre-deployment training for Timor. I look like a POW. Yeah. I am yeah. Really? 70 kilos. Yeah. I got so little fat on my head, my ears like Man, I was like the same. I got, uh, really? I got the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm talking, mean, I was in Alpha Company at that point, and I'm like, boss, well, so you know, can I go to the RI store for two months just so I can train? He's like, look, tell you what, we got the cross country coming up, the swimming carnival coming up, and the, and the um, athletics carnival coming yep. up. Stay with the company till then and help us win all trophies. I'll let you go. So, because I was 
weapon swimmer, yeah. obviously, growing yeah. up with my dad as yeah. a swimming coach. And because of that, I had pretty good cardio. I mm. could run forever. You know, I wasn't an athlete by any means, and it wasn't yeah. because of me, but I did help, and we won every trophy. Happy and days. he let me go down to the RI store. I had four weeks yeah, right. and trained my ass off and then did, start, did the service transfer, went and did ship divers, yeah, yeah. and then passed that by the skin of my teeth yeah. and went on to see that. Past that by the skin of my teeth. You know, I, I turn up there. These are all, yeah. all Navy guys that have been CSOs and things like that in the past. You got their $300 Mizano or whatever they're called, sneakers on. Yeah, yeah. But I, got it. I rock up in a pair of beat up old Converse boots uh, <laughs> and they're just like, <laughs> who the fuck is That's this it. guy? Fucking army dude is yeah. going to get pumped. And I pumped them all. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like, what? What? I could because I had the like I think the battalion record for push ups at one point. You know, you got to do yeah, as yeah. many push ups as you can do in, in two minutes. Two minutes, yeah. I could do 132 push ups. Yeah. Holy shit. Because yeah. there was no meat on me either. Yeah. And so I could do chin ups forever. Just I could run yeah. forever. I yeah, could yeah. swim forever. Yeah. And so they're just like, this motherfucker. On CDAT, at the end of the day, the guys are like pulling off their boots and taping every individual yeah. toe because they're blistered. One guy, his whole foot was a blister. Well. Another dude had to tape up his ball bag because he had Bull such shit. bad shape. I get in there, I take off my boots and lay down and because <laughs> I, I, I had army feet. And yeah, I was used to pack marching 20, 30, 40Ks. Yeah. Just, yeah. That, that's one thing about the army though. Like, even especially in three area, like, we'd fucking spend all week just on the piercing. Bondi, Coogee, yep. next morning, PT. Yeah. Every – there was a fit battalion. Every was Sunday a fit, I would get my dog a, and I'd go run laps yeah. around the Oval just to clear my lungs out. Yeah, yeah, just fit bunch of guys. So I guess it kind of helped you pave that way for the fitness so side of things. Much. Yeah. Um, the science behind it and learning the regulations yeah. and all that sort of stuff, way, way, way harder. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, you do the selection, it's all about physicality. Yeah. Then you go on to the 49-week clearance diver course – and you got to learn all the regulations, all the sciences behind diving. It's like that movie Men of Honor, yeah. You know, where he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he yeah. can't pass. Yeah. And he's got to go study. You've got to study yeah. your ass off. Yeah, right. It's it's not just physical. You got to learn everything. You got to learn the, how to operate the recompression chambers. Mm. You got to learn mixed gas diving, mm. helmet diving, um, minimum magnetic uh, mixed gas diving. Um, yeah. Underwater tools, like it's such a varied job. It's so hard to keep up. Like demolitions as well. Mm. But that's the thing you love about it. Yeah. That's it's exactly such a very job. Up. It's not like you're not it's going different. pack marching yeah. and carrying a, a machine yeah. gun and walking forever. And you're not the standard. It's not yeah. the standard. You you're know, having a too. swim and getting paid. What is it for? Uh, what is it like eighty dollars a day or for what for diving? What, what's the allowance? Oh, I think it's forty. Maybe I don't know. I can't uh, remember. Like a danger I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think we get paid extra for diving. Maybe it was ship divers. We only got yeah, paid. yeah. I think it was ship divers. We, we got paid a we get, small pittance. We get paid for experimental diving. Anything deep experiment. Was it just experiments? Yeah, right, boys. Yeah, right. Yeah, they send you up to Canada and you get paid heaps of money to go and do experimental diving. But yeah, they've got a chamber up there, don't they? Like it's fucking deep. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a few of the boys. Amazing job. Had some of the best times of my life. Yeah. Going up on up top trips, you know, I got to do the first dive to uh, videotape the lost Japanese submarine off of Long Reef the, oh, wow. from World War Two. Yeah, uh, that was amazing. Just that is cool. Cool guys, mm. cool times, cool trips. Living on islands in the middle of Malaysia yeah, right. for a month with the Kiwis, the Malaysian Singaporeans, and the English. And you're getting paid for it. Getting paid for it. Getting paid well too. Yeah. Clearance times get paid a fair bit. Yeah, we get paid well. Yeah. So loved it. Um, but once again, it was always a stepping stone. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to get promoted. When I transferred yeah. from Army to the Navy, mm. they said my aptitude testing was good enough to become an officer. What like, rank did you leave the Army? Able Seaman. 
Oh, the army. What rank did you leave the army? Oh, army private. Oh, you pro- yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never wanted to get promoted. Yeah, right. You, you start getting yeah, promoted. Yeah, no, no, of course. Yeah, it's more, more responsibility. responsibility. You're not the guy <laughs> yeah. that's uh, doing. Hundred percent. I'm just, I'm just a digger. I'm just yeah. a poor old digger. <laughs> you go from able seaman to leading yeah. seaman. You got to supervise every day. Yeah, exactly. You're not exactly. Yeah. You're not playing with bombs. Yeah, you're not doing cool it. shit. Yeah. Fuck that. And you, you're yeah. not. You're not one of the boys. I remember like those guys that I joined up with, and I left in. I left after eight years, and those guys becoming chiefs, and I was still an AB, and everyone's like, Cordo, you've been an AB for seven years I'm like yeah mate whatever you know at the time I was like I wouldn't mind getting promoted but at the same time it's like yeah. I'm having fun I don't care I'll go on a guts watch from 12 to 4 in the morning whatever mate you know, yeah. I'm having fun I'm getting, yeah. getting paid pretty well so Clearance divers was a, a bit different. We were all mates. Yeah. We just call our officers by first name. We'll call them boss and yeah. stuff like that. And it's it's probably one of the longest and hardest processes to get promoted through mm. any rank. Yeah, Every promotion is like an extra year of training. Is it really? Yeah. Because okay. you've got to do all the extra clearance diving stuff, then you've got to do the normal promotional course yeah, as yeah. well. So no one, like barely anyone wants to get promoted to PR. Yeah, check of course, yeah. You know, by, the time, by that time, you've already done your basic clearance diver training, you've done mm. your leading seaman training, that's another year. You've done your PO, your, your PO training. Then yeah. you've got chief. Then you've you got to be away from your family yeah. for another yeah. year. People are just like, I'm sick of it. I don't want to get promoted anymore. That's yeah. it. And obviously, once you start getting more rank as well, that's when you start getting posted elsewhere. Yep. Training command, all that bullshit. Whereas if you just stay the lowest, you're just, just like, you're not worth nothing. You're just, yeah. you're just a number. Like, you're just diving. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, then, you know, 2009 rocks up and you know, yeah, let's yeah. eat for breakfast. Yeah. So, let's, so. Yeah, 2009, Paul. Obviously, that was your, I wouldn't say a turning point in your life, but that was probably the most mm, absolutely significant point in your life. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I know a lot of people around Australia, they hear, hear your name and they might think, Paul DeGelder, yeah, you got, he was the Navy clearance diver. People might hear your name, Paul DeGelder, they might go, I think he was the guy who got attacked by a shark. Yeah, I get called that Navy guy or that shark. Navy <laughs> shark. Yeah. There you go. Um, I think your name resonates throughout the throughout Australia, and yeah. especially you being on Shark Week for the last how many years now? Six years. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. Just hanging out with Will Smith. But and, that you know, shark all these, week. All these guys, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think yeah, you, you're a household name around like the water, water sports throughout throughout Australia. So, yeah. Um, Run us through yeah. 2009. Let's yeah. go. Let's go back. Uh, normal day. At work, yep. turned up early. Uh, we had to do some testing for the R and D department of the military. Uh, we were acting as attack swimmers, so they wanted to test this unmanned video and sonar equipment. The goal was they could put this equipment on ships or wharfs anywhere around the world. Yep, uh, they didn't have to man it, and it would detect through automated video attack swimmers and automated sonar attack divers coming to sabotage our ships. Holy shit, okay. So there was going to be three stages, surface swimmers, scuba divers, Mm. and then rebreathers, so there's no bubbles, see if they could detect it. So we're there, probably five, six in the morning, turn up, it's me and three of my teammates, chiefs on the wharf with the science guys, the big brains. And we're just acting as the attack swimmers. And I've got the new guys in the water, Lockie, swimming up and back. And after about half an hour, I decide to pull him out, give him a rest, and I'll take over. So I roll over the Zod in a black wetsuit, pair of black fins, and I'm just swimming from point A to point B. Surf swimming? Surf swimming, yeah. On my back, just kicking my legs. Spinning, yep. Easy days, man. You know, February, end of summer, so it's pretty warm, overcast early in the morning, murky water. (laughs) Just thinking nothing of it. Then I'm like, because I was terrified of sharks yeah oh fuck terrified and so i'm in the water and i'm thinking 
Where would it be better to have my arms if I got attacked by a shark? Were you thinking that? Yeah. No way. So I'm like, because, you know, traditionally we get trained to put our hands across our chest like that and kick your legs. I'm like, well, if I got my hands up here and the shark bites me, it might trap both my arms. But I'm also protecting my vital organs. But if I like to have my hands down by my side and sort of feel the water and do that. But if I'm doing that, then it might grab my arm, but I could fight it off with this one. I turn around to make sure I'm going in the right direction. Boom, shark grabs me. Grabs me by the right hand and the hamstring in one bite. And I turn around and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like I've never seen a large dangerous shark before in my life, but I'm terrified of them. And so it feels like we're staring eye to eye for a couple of seconds and then my survival instincts Mm. kick in. Mm. I think I've seen the crocodile hunter. Yeah. I've seen shark creek. I'll jab it in the eyeball. (laughs) Yeah. But I can't because my hand's stuck in its mouth. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm pulling and I look down and I could see the teeth embedded into my wrist and every time I pulled it, I could see the the flesh tearing. But it was so sharp and didn't really hurt that much. It had just gone straight in like this blades. So I reach over with my left hand and I'm trying to reach the eyeball, but I just can't get it. And so I grab it by the nose and I'm trying to push it, lever it off me. Mm. But all that does is push the teeth of the lower jaw deeper into my leg. And I get a twinge of pain then. So I'm about to pull back, you know, the last thing, eyes, gills, punch it in the nose. So I'm about to punch it in the nose. Mm. And as I'm cocking back, I guess the shark decides that I'm edible. It starts to shake its head and the pain, the searing pain just took all the fight out of me. Yeah. There was nothing I could yeah, do. Right. It took Fuck. me underwater and it, I, I I came back up quickly and I thought I better take a breath before it takes me back under. It takes me back under. I'm yelling in agony, my lungs filling with water and I, it lasts about eight seconds and Fuck. you can watch it on YouTube. Oh, I've yeah, seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I think everyone's seen it, yeah. I've seen it from the security cameras from the, from, from yeah. the base. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Um, and and how big was this shark? The scientists measured the bite in my leg and they said it was between 2.7 and 3 metres. Oh, that's decent. So almost as big as they get. Pretty much as big as they get in the yeah. harbour. They're pretty chubby. They're bull, bull sharks. Too, they're, they're pretty like stocky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I've, I've dealt with them a lot over the yeah. last yeah. few years and you, you always want to keep your eyes on the bull sharks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're actually quite shy, but when they become brazen or there's food in the water, you really got to watch them. Yeah, uh, and so I don't, I don't know why it attacked me. That hadn't been a shark attack in Sydney Harbour in sixty mm. years. Um, lucky me. Um, yeah, but, you know I'm I'm underwater, and it's not like time slowed down. It's like the adrenaline yeah, of course, and our yeah. bodies and our minds yeah, are such incredible mm. machines that I'm thinking all these things in the blink of an eye. I'm thinking, fuck, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right now. I'm not going home today, and then I think. Am I ready to die? Mm. And I look back on my life from where I started out as that young lost kid getting mm. bullied and self-harming yeah, and drugs right. to where I was today yeah. as a Navy clearance driver, something I never thought that I could have achieved in my life. And I just thought I've done more in these 31 mm. years than I could have thought possible. I've lived 10 lives. If I'm going to die, I'm ready to go. So be it. Yeah, I've got no regrets. And so I just let go mm. and I'm just waiting to drift off. Yeah. And the shark then removes my whole hamstring and my hand in the same bite. And because it's not attached to me, my wetsuit makes me buoyant. I pop to the surface and I'm just like the gushing of air in my lungs. I'm like, fuck, I'm not dead. I better get out of here before it comes back. So I start to swim and I take my arm out of the water and my hand is totally gone. Oh. And so 
I think, you know, medical training mm. kicks in. I mm. keep that wound above my heart to stem the yep. bleeding and I'm swimming back to the safety boat with one hand and one leg because yeah. I can't even feel my other leg. I don't know what's mm. wrong with it. I yeah. just can't feel it. And so I'm swimming back to the safety boat. The guys in the boat have seen what's going on at this point. So they're gunning it over towards me. And I just thought this shark, I thought I'm dead. You know, there's mm. no way I'm going to make it. Mm. I always thought, assumed that bull sharks swam in packs. So yeah. I'm just waiting yeah. for the other another one. shark to yeah. smell the blood, come in. I'm waiting for it to grab my ankle and pull me under the water. It n- never came. Mm. I've got one job to do. Laser-like focus, like they teach you, just get to the boat. Yeah. It's all I got to do. So I'm just swimming. That's it. And the guys in the boat said they could see I was swimming through a pool of my own blood. And they said it was so thick that when they got in close, they could actually taste it in the air. And they got to me first, thankfully, pulled me out of the boat, out of the water, put me in the boat, and I just passed out. And yeah, they, right. went, they went into emergency uh, protocols, yeah, yeah. first aid. Tourniquets. Tour- we didn't have tourniquets. No, they didn't. No, so they're using a strap from a life jacket. They've taken uh, off their T-shirts and they're jamming it into the wound. Wow. Um, I'm tourniqueting my own hand because one guy's driving the boat, one guy's putting a tourniquet on. My buddy Tomo's over the top of me trying to keep me conscious. Mm. So I've got this above my heart, just mm. holding it as tight as I can. And um, I was in and out of consciousness, but I remember most of it. And they got me to the wharf. My chief took over um, and he saw that the strap, the tourniquet strap from a life jacket wasn't working. Mm. The boat was an inch deep in my blood and he knew if he didn't stop that bleeding, I was going to yeah, die within a minute. So he grabbed Lockie, the new guy again, and Lockie had to sit there for 10 minutes with his hand inside my leg, Holding pinching closed the artery. Wow. So, but, you know, <laughs> something he said he never, ever, ever wants to do again. But he, <laughs> saved, my, inside he you? saved my – Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What uh... – Well, not that specifically, <laughs> but it's the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, they, you know, they saved my life. Yeah. And eventually the paramedics came, turned up, took yeah. me off to St. Vincent's just down the road yeah. and went into emergency surgery and I woke up two days later. Wow. To a new life. Sweet. And yeah. it, wow. you, obviously you, you woke up and then you just – that's when the reality sunk in type thing and – Well, I had my leg still. Um, okay. And that was the biggest concern. You know, I knew my hand was gone. Mm. Process that. I'm a very mm. logical person. Mm. There's nothing I can do about it. No use getting upset over something I can't yeah. control. But if I've got my leg – maybe life can go on as normal. Yeah. Maybe I can keep this job that I love so much. Um, but day by day, my foot that I could see was going darker. And darker, yeah, right. Gotcha. Becoming less okay. like I couldn't feel it. And so I started to mentally prepare myself. And, uh, you know, it was good that I did because after the first week, the surgeon came in and broke it mm. down for me and, you know, explained it to me. He said, look, you can keep your leg, but you'll never be able to feel it. Your happiness will suffer. Your motivation will suffer. It could catch fire mm. and you wouldn't even know. Alternatively, we can remove it and have you walking or possibly running on a prosthetic within 12 months. Yeah. And so I'm just like, okay, just take it, turn me into a Terminator. And <laughs> I, I didn't need time to process. I'm like, yeah. okay, I've worked it out. I don't want to, my happiness and my motivation to suffer. I don't yeah. want to carry this yep. unfeeling lump of wood around with me. I just want to get on with mm. life. And so I had it taken off. Went into a very, very bad way with pain after that. I yeah, was on right. morphine and ketamine. Of course. Went into a K-hole. Shit, yeah. Um, ag- absolute agony for 20 hours where all I wanted to do was die. Um, but fortunately, that you know, went away after yeah. 20 hours. You know, I would never wish that feeling on another human soul. That, yeah, that bad. To think that, that immense. The only way to stop pain is to die. I, yeah. be- I be- begged my mum to go yeah. to King's Cross and find me a gun yeah. so I could kill myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been there. Yeah. yeah, I had blood clots in my liver. Oh. I was in Kabul. Yeah. Fucking hell. 
You just wanted to stop. I've, I had my fucking I had my Glock and my M4 right there. I was like, fuck, I need this to stop. Yeah. It was that bad. Really? That fucking bad. I almost fucking died. What did they Shit. do for it? Mate, I ended up getting uh, transported uh, straight back to Dubai. Yeah. I went to all these random little doctors throughout Kabul because obviously the Australian embassy's not. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll just take him to some little Harvey. Yeah, take him to Harvey Norman <laughs> down the road. And, Harvey yeah, Norman. Mate, went to a couple of doctors. They're like, oh, we can't figure it out. Went to the military base and they're like, fuck. All their kit was like 20 years old. All their scanning machines like, fuck. Even the US base. Mate, all, all of it was old, really? old yeah. shit. They're just like, we don't know. Here's more ketamine. Oh. I was in the KO as well. I was going, oh, That's this is horrible. good. <laughs> the rainbows and yeah, everything. Yeah. And then uh, straight to Dubai, straight to a German hospital there. And then within half an hour, they're like, you got two blood clots in the liver. Oh, wow. Your body was shut down. You probably had one or two more days and fucking you'd be dead. No wow. way. Yeah. It was, a wor- f- I'm telling you, the worst, so lucky. worst fucking pain I've ever been through. And I had to go fly as well. Obviously, deep vein thrombosis is yep, caused yeah. from fucking, oh, bro. Oh, you're, I know, yeah. you're lucky to be here too. Oh, now I'm on blood thinners for the rest of my life, so. Really? Okay. Yeah, so. But I carry tourniquets. I've got tourniquets in the bag. Just. Guess, yeah. Like clotting powder and stuff. Yeah, got it all, man. Got it all. But yeah, I, I, know, I know the hey, feeling. If you carry that, I've got to carry extra limbs. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to take dive legs with me, weightlifting arms, charges yeah. for everything. I give some very funny looks when I'm plugged into the wall at yeah. the airport. <laughs> Let's, um, so uh, post- Deamputation, I suppose. Yeah. Or amputation, recovery. Suppose. Recovery. Yeah, look at recovery. What's uh, what's the process with like physio and regaining? I have seen on YouTube and stuff, and you know, obviously, you know, we've got a lot a lot of mutual mates, and they told me you, you, you're back back in the gym like only a few months later. They're cracking stories like, "Fuck it, I'm back in." Yeah, fuck yeah. it. Well, you know, I utilized fear. Mm. Fear can be a powerful motivator, mm. and I was terrified of losing not just my quality of life, mm. but losing my career because I didn't know what else I would do. Um, when I was in hospital, I was very fortunate that the chief of Navy said, as long as Paul wants a job, he'll have one. That's so good. And so I was like, I want my old job back. And no one's pushing me under a desk. So I just figured in my mind, all I got to do is prove to people that I can do this job. And that starts first mm. with physicality. If I can heal and strengthen my body, then my mind will follow. And I, I truly believe that being physical, going to the gym, 100%. training, sweating, working hard, hurting is just as good, if not better, than going and talking and getting shit off your chest. 100% it is. You know, I use it to this day, yeah. as many days, yeah. as often as I can. Yeah. Um, it's scientifically proven as well. It's, yeah. it's a chemical balance you know, part of the brain as well. It releases yeah. endorphins and all that type of stuff. And so two days after I had my leg chopped off, the surgeon came in. I was doing one-arm chin-ups on the bar above my bed because <laughs> – I didn't want to lay there being a victim. It's, I didn't want to. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to think about shit. I just needed to feel like I was on my way to somewhere. On the way, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Because at that point, I was terrified of losing two things: my value and my purpose. Yeah. Because those are the two things that get us up mm. out of bed 100%. every day. You know, our lives are busy. We've got we got we got kids to look after. We've got dogs to walk. We've got sports to go to. We've got jobs to go to. We've yeah. got hobbies and that. That is what gets us up out of bed every day, you know, and that was the biggest problem during COVID. People started losing that and so they start sliding into depression. They like, Mm. they start drinking themselves um, into a coma every night and they don't get up because there's no reason to get up. And so you've got to find that value and purpose Mm. to motivate you and inspire you to go and work hard and follow your dreams and, um, and, surround yourself in everything that you love. Yeah, So that's all I needed to do. You know, there's that um, principle kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Like life yeah. doesn't need to be any harder than we already make it exactly on ourselves. Right. Keep it simple. 
You know, if something's not working for you, fix it, put up with it, or get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, keep it simple. So I didn't want to think at that point. Yeah. I just needed to know that I was going to train. I had to learn how to use my body again. So that's all I did. My my mates were awesome. They brought in protein. They brought in dumbbells. Um, I sweet talked the nurses into giving me double rations because <laughs> I had lost you know ten kilos yeah. in ten seconds. That's it. It's yeah, not, not a weight loss regime I would recommend. <laughs> so I, I had to build my body. I had to build my mind. I was reading constantly, and, and the navy did send me a counselor once. Um, I never, I've never done counselling. Mm. I've had no rehab. Yeah, um, I did it all myself because, well. You know, there was there was an offer of rehab, but mm. I'd have to go and live at a rehabilitation hospital for yeah. old people. Yeah, and stuff, some of my yeah. friends did it, and they were like, "I brought the average age down to about eighty six. Yeah, and I was like, "I'm not going there. Yeah. You know, I will recover better at home, mm. having my buddy drive me into the the Victoria Barracks base gym, so I can learn to use my body. Um, and so, I, I, instead of dwelling on what had happened to me, dwelling on how shit my life could be, and asking why me, yeah. I started getting onto the internet. You know, we have the wealth of the world's knowledge in a few keystrokes. Everything. And we're so fortunate. And I so I get onto Google and I'm Googling the latest and greatest in prosthetic technology. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, I got onto YouTube. I'm watching videos of Paralympic athletes learning how they do it. You know, these are the best in the world on these prosthetics. Mm. So there's there's no reason to not know how to do something mm. or not know how to overcome something because there is nothing in this world that you're going to encounter that someone else hasn't already been through. Exactly. So why not just learn from their experiences? You can learn from their failures. You can learn from their successes. You can yep. even better their successes. And so that's where I was at. Okay, all right, I'm not alone in this. Just to, because people have been through this already. Yeah. Just just to bring it in, like, where did you get that mindset from? Was that is it a military thing, or obviously you grew up pretty loose? Was, yeah, was it from like your junior days? Do you think it's from the military? It, I think it was. It was partially from a lot of things. Mm. It was partially from. Having been bullied and struggling in life and self-harming and all that sort of stuff, I feel like those hard times that we go through yeah. are actually training. Exactly you know, right. 100%. 100% it is. And they're strengthening us piece by piece to be bigger and stronger for, you know, maybe something horrible is going to happen yeah. and we need to be ready for yeah. it. Um, also, obviously the military. And helped. that just cemented what you already were thinking. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Yeah. And so – you know, being able to operate on uh, lowered amounts of oxygen in my body mm. because of all the intense physical training in the Navy and the Army, that probably kept me alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, fear, like I said, I was terrified. <laughs> and I, because I was a waste of space for a mm. long time. After I got kicked out of home, I was doing nothing for about a year and a half except smoking weed and drinking, yeah. smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Mm. And so I knew what it was like to live in that fog and that cloud of uncertainty yeah. and fear. And so I swore to myself, I will never go back to that. And so that fear motivated me and drove me to not just train and have that goal of getting back to work, but to get off the drugs that I was yeah. on as well. Yeah, right. I had this huge wooden bowl at home of oxy, endone, gabapentin, antidepressants, yeah, tamazepam, yeah. and I could self-medicate as much as I wanted, yeah. but I was living in a cloud. I couldn't focus. I yeah. couldn't work out what I wanted to do. I didn't know how to train. I was just lazy. And so I had to get off those drugs. Mm. Uh, and so I just did, you know, I, in the, I wake up in the morning after drugging myself to sleep because, you know, during the day it was okay mm. because you're moving around, you're distracted. It takes away from the phantom pains and stuff. But when you go to bed, you have nothing but your thoughts and your pain. And so 
many nights I'd have to jog myself to sleep. Yeah. Then in the morning I'd wake up or whenever I woke up um, after, you know, crying myself to sleep more nights than I can remember. Mm. And I would just try and last as long as I could all day until the pain was so great I had to take something. Yeah, right. But day by day by day that time gets longer and longer and longer. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and so I went home back to Bondi. Yeah. Um, had one of my best friends move in with me and act as my carer. Um, cooking for me, cleaning the place, you know, things I couldn't do, mm. um, driving me to the gym because I couldn't drive at that point. It was magic. It, you know, made life so much better. Uh, and I just trained, started to learn my body, yeah. learn how to operate it again. And you know, back in basic training and in infantry, they taught me a very, very important mantra that stayed with me through my whole life. Improvise, adapt, and overcome. overcome. Yeah. Exactly. Fucking that's how I live so, my life. You know, I went into the gym and I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, how the hell am I going to do this? Yeah. Having one hand and one leg can really throw out your bench press and squat. <laughs> <laughs> so, I bet like, it. Uh, what, what can I do in here? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to improvise. Right? Yeah. So I can't do push-ups mm. because I can't weight bear on the end of my arm. So I pulled in a bench. I put my elbow on it and I did push-ups like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't hold a dumbbell. We all know curls get the girls. How am I going <laughs> to? How am I going to do the biceps? So, you know, I got onto the internet once again. And I found lifting straps, lifting yeah. hooks. Yeah, I could loop that around my arm with the material gotcha. and put it hang down, and I could put a dumbbell yeah, in gotcha. that, and I could do curls like that, or I could throw it up into the yeah. cables, and I could do flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, if you don't have two legs for squats, does that mean you skip leg day? No. Never skip leg day. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Never no, skip no, leg, no. leg day. You actually went and done leg day today. I did leg day. Yeah, this right, yeah. yeah. Pistol squats, Smith yeah. machine. Yeah, no, you That's just it. work it just out. Figure yeah. it out. Yeah, no, you can do deadlifts on the back rower. That's it. You know, on the the cable That's row. It. Yeah, leg straight, grab it, and just like that. There's, yeah. there's ways to yeah. work it out. Well, it would you know, even going back to your team all days. Obviously, pre pre accident, you know, in team all we had to make That's you know con- concrete. Yeah. Mate, there was ghetto gym. There were gyms as ammo tins on the end of poles. You yeah. know, there was just oh, red. Really? Oh, mate, just I did what, it in whatever. The jungles what, of Malaysia. Exactly. Using like lead cruciforms and a couple of pulleys that we used to pull just, mines to yeah. the surface. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, there's, there's always a way. Exactly there's, right. Yeah. There's nothing so great, no hurdles so big that you can't go over it, around it, or straight through it. Exactly. With, with the right tools. Yeah. And sometimes and oftentimes that right tool is simply the right mindset. Yeah. You know, being willing to. Think outside the box. Think crazy. Yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with thinking crazy. Sometimes yeah. crazy works. No, yeah, you know? yeah. So that's that's what motivated. And, and within six months, I went back to work. I asked yeah, them, right. Hey, if I go back to work, you went back down to HMAS Penguin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I'd, I'd never worked there before. I was always oh, at sorry, team, w- team one at Wardham. Um, team one. And initially, they said no, you can't come back to work. And I'm like, what do you mean? For obvious reasons. Well, you can't. Yeah. You know, to go to the teams, you have to be deployable for war. Mm. So I'm like, well. Obviously, I understand that. I'm not as fleet as my feet as I used to be, and all my trigger fingers work at once. Um, but why can't I go to the school? And this is, you know, Men of Honor yeah, came back into yeah. play. He, you know, Carl Bushy yeah, yeah. lost his leg, went, yeah. became an instructor, was yep. still on a ship. And so I'm like, why can't I go and teach? Mm. Why would you waste all of this millions of dollars you've invested Training, in me yep. when I could pass that on and perhaps be an inspiration for these young divers as well? So they're like, all right, well, cool. yeah, sure. Yeah. Right, let me go to work. I said, you can work three half days a week. So I went five full days a week. <laughs> I, just, I just went. I didn't learn. I yeah. didn't leave because I had to prove it to myself and I had to prove it to them. And I worked myself to the bone. And that's, you know, that's where it, it yeah. started affecting my ability to – 
be kind uh, to my trainer. You were yeah, a right. hard motherfucker. So Shane's got a look. Yeah, let's let's touch so on that. <laughs> I was on HMAS Manura, and they said, "Oh, we need um, volunteers for the ship's dive." And I was like, "You know what? That sounds cool." Anyway, long story short, joined the ship's diving program. I think 2011 um, with a few other guys that were so. Clearance dives have got to do the ship style before they do their clearance dive acceptance tests. So to make sure that they know what they want to do, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, we rock up, you do all your fit tests, so you push off your sit ups, 2.4K run down at the park there. Majority of people don't pass. Yeah, and they struggle because it's a bit, it's, well, I think it's where, like 10 where minutes. people t- turn up and not be able to do one chin up. Yeah. Like, some of these people come from bases on the other side of the country. I'm like, yeah. How, yeah. how have they convinced their, their bosses? That they should need to fly across the country, hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of oh, it's bullshit Navy money to yeah. come and do a PT test, yeah. and can't do one chin up. Yeah. Exactly, you feel embarrassed to yourself as well. Yeah. I remember I was struggling. I was like, I want to make sure I can do at least fourteen, I reckon, because I weighed about one hundred and five kilo then. And I still am now a little bit heavier, but I was like, I want to put to myself because you have to do. I think we start on seven chin ups per meal, like before you have lunch and dinner. Seven and each day, it goes up one more. Yeah, and, and then, anything you don't get, you have to go. You double, you double it, yeah, it yeah. back at the Oh line. yeah, right. Oh, that's yeah. Not too and then, bad, it, then, then it becomes twenty. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it just but this is to a cadence. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's and fine. I remember we were all lining up and we all had a back turn and uh, Lenny Seaman Bar. I think it was in Tag East, was he? Paul? Mm, yep. Yeah, and um, he's a little short bloke, but fuck, he's he, he's fiery. Oh yeah. Like, I remember there was a big dude about to start doing chin ups and he's just like, Hold up, big fella, and we've got a back's turn. Paul rocks up in his black Hilux, rocks up, just puts on his little like clamp thing that's the suits the chin up bar, and everyone's like, There's fuck a ball to Gilda. He just fucking struts over to the fucking bar, just jumps up, starts busting out these chinnies and every everyone is just in shock. Everyone's like He's the real deal. This bloke's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> and he gets off and he just looks at the big fella and he goes, you're up, brother. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, no worries, leader. Oh, AB, sorry. And he, we just start doing our chinnies and um, there's a few guys that didn't get to the max chinnies we had to do and he's just screaming at him, AB Dawes screaming at him. There was another old, old woe stand up on his on his block of flats just yelling at people. <laughs> um, but then, like, so we are with them for the next two weeks, uh, not diving Tuesdays, Thursdays. Um, so, yeah, we got to know Paul and a few other divers there well and uh, we sort of coincide with two other clearance diver class there. So sport was every Thursday or every Wednesday, Paul, every Wednesday morning? Wednesday. Wednesday morning and we used to have to fin to Bal- Balmoral Beach. And um, I think you came came with us one time, uh, finning all on our back. Yeah, and yeah. Everyone was just like, "Man, this guy is just easy. Just does not stop." And it's the same thing that you've been chatting at the last half an hour. Like your your mentality is just through the roof. Like you don't stop, and you live in, even just coming to your house today. You're just opening up packets of food, and you just you learn to to adapt. Yeah, you, you have to, yeah, you know exactly. You have to, mm. and it's the same is not the dive world. It's just like we had to climb over this massive um, buoy that was moored out in the, like, like the bay, and everyone's climbing over it. And Paul's edge straight over the top, and then we had to go tie the steppers up in like the night time. And but yeah, the the, like, the next two weeks of that ship's divers course, you, you look at Paul and you go, well, fuck if he can do it, and he's only got two two working limbs, you know, surely I can do it, you know. Yeah. You and do the um. The push-ups at the end of the night. Yeah, and every, every time oh, someone screws this, yeah. up, and I, I was really strict. Though. He was, he was, he was fuck. I was really strict <laughs> because that's what that's how it was yeah. when we went through. Yeah, and so I, you know, exactly. It's like your parents, exactly. your parents raised you, yeah, that raised, and yeah. so I trained my training, but I was also struggling. Like I don't know what year you were. Eleven, two thousand eleven. Okay, so yeah, it wasn't. I wasn't too bad then, you know. 
2012 when you, you, I was you're saying bad. Getting, <laughs> 2012 when I was like, I, I hated it because I didn't like instructing. I didn't want to be there after after a year and a half. I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Yeah. All I'm doing is teaching people to do mm. something that I love to do without ever getting to do it myself. And they wouldn't let me go to the teams. And I was just getting madder and madder. And I was drinking more. Yeah. My relationship broke down, not because of the drinking or anything, but just because I was like, I was unhappy. Um, and so I was unhappy at work as yeah. well. And so I'm taking out on my trainees. We're when they fuck up, I'm getting angrier. What was it, 20 push-ups per thing? 50, yeah, 50. Every 50. time someone fucked up, 50 push-ups. 50, whether it was yeah. someone's lot, the um, – Just, just the, 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 the caps as well. Yeah. Twisted. Yeah. Straps are twisted. Yeah. Someone had the goggles on the, on the forehead set around the chin. Yeah. They called them – The fact they called them goggles. They, sorry, Mark. Sorry. 50 after the podcast. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. But, but we, you know, we'd finish work at 1, 2 in the morning. Say midnight. And they'd have 1,500 push-ups. Yeah, right. I'm like, all right, we can be here all night doing these 1,500 push-ups <laughs> or you can do 50 with me. 100% of the time we'll, we'll do 50 with you, um, AB. I'm like, all right. Those 50 push-ups would last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. They'd be like halfway down. Yeah. I could do push-ups all day. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. Care. Halfway up. One. No, 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 no. That was half a push-up that doesn't count. Lower. It was bad. Halfway. I'd sit there for five minutes. Like, they haven't even done one push-up and everyone's going, oh, fuck yeah. It was hilarious. Well, we I used to it. try, if we, if we accumulated some throughout the day, and this was the end of February, so it was hot as balls. It was an Australia Day weekend, sorry. That's where we started um, end of Jan, start of Feb, that's our course was. And the ground was that hot, like we're trying to put the fins down on the ground for our hands to do push-ups, and the heat was coming through the fins, and people are getting the water bottles and putting on the ground, and Paul's screaming at him, don't waste your fucking water. <laughs> yeah. so, but, so many things I don't remember. But obviously that was just two, two weeks of a ship's yeah. dive. Of course, the clearance divers look at us like, as like grubs, you know, because yeah. it's a two-week crash course. You're a bloody cuff rate diver. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's a taste. And I know some guys who have completed the ship's dive and have gone to clearance divers nowadays. And, but obviously the clearance divers, you know, that you guys go through hell. We've all seen the ABC or SBS program that came out in 2008, I think it was. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's like now, but... I heard it's, heard it's got watered down a fair bit. Okay. Yeah, mm. so bad. But um, Some of the guys at the, the gathering the other night insinuated oh, oh. as much as well. My buddy, Daddy, um, one of the guys that saved my life, he's yeah. just retreaded after being out for 10 years. He went back like, in. Huh? He's but he gone back in. He's gone back in, yeah. All right. After yeah, ten years, yeah. that's a long time. Okay. Well, he was a tag as well, so okay. like you know, you'd have to they, do the whole they, thing again well, no, from the start. Oh, you got he's like, yeah, just they just took me straight back. Oh, fuck, it's that's like, right. It's like being a civilian now. It's like it's so easy. I was like, yeah, yeah. I turned up to both watches, and there was dogs there. People bring their dogs to work now. <laughs> I have seen that yeah, like, yeah, on mate. people's Instagram videos. What? Defense force has gone weird. Yeah, you know, there's a a, a law that still stands in the navy because they never horses. changed it. The horses on. Yeah. Yeah, mate, it's the same with the army. About really? Yeah, well, you could... Well, you could if you the, drive the your horse yeah. to base, <laughs> got a, the coxswains have to house and feed Same them. as the army, man. <laughs> they got a stable yeah. there. There's so many years yeah. we were trying to work out how to get a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Work no, same out. as the army, mate. I think we did try to buy a Shetland one time. <laughs> just to ride. <laughs> All right, boys, bring it over. Um, did you ever t- deploy on a, on, a, on a ship again? Um, mm-hmm. I, on the I, didn't, I didn't. No, I, I got stuck at the dive school. Mm, for nearly yeah. three years and I hate it towards the end man I was just drinking and I was like what am I going to do what am I mm, yeah so when did you get when did you get out um, and that was obviously well, that, the reason why you got out was because you just started to well I, I I developed an option yeah I didn't want to get out until I had something else because I saw too many people 
getting out of the military, my friends would be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave. And I'm like, oh, I was always curious. Like, what are you going to do? So, you know, I'm trying mm. to give myself some ideas. Um, and like, oh, I don't know. Like, You hear that so often. Mm. Uh, you hear it like, to plan. Go to the yeah, mines. Yeah. 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 And they're the guys that always returned. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, I need, I need something else. And I've been asked to do some speaking, some corporate speaking, mm. but the only thing I was more afraid of than sharks was public speaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I'd done it in an IT course in Canberra when I was 19, and I was like, my hands just shook. My face went red. My, and I started walking. I <laughs> fucked it up, and I never went back to that course. I was only halfway through, and so I was like, no, 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 no speaking, mm. no speaking. Mm. And then Canteen asked me to do it for a group of kids, mm. and I was like, they're just kids, they're just kids, yeah. Can't say no <laughs> so I turn up, and I feel ridiculous. I'm terrified of these 20 children with cancer, and meningococcal, and I was like, come on, Paul, get your shit together. <laughs> so I go in and I start talking and I knock my socks off. Mm. Like, it was so fun. I walked out of there on top of the world with a big smile on my face and I thought, you know, well, maybe I can do this. And I went from there, my mm. old school in Canberra asked me to talk and went from 20 children to 1,200. And I stopped halfway through and my buddy was in the, the front row, Steve, and I looked at him and he's just like, fuck, it was dead quiet. And when the principal was talking before I got on, it was, you know, 1,200 kids moving a foot is loud. Oh, it's just noise. And I'm like, I'm going to have to talk over this noise. I don't even know what I'm going to say yet. And so I get up, dead. 1,200 little faces looking up at me. And I start telling my story and they're just like, like, it was amazing. And I thought, I can do this. So I started doing a little bit. Uh, here and there, and I ended up getting paid before I left, like my two weeks Navy mm. wage in one hour. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I just thought, maybe I can do this. This is it. But the fear was, how long can I do this? How mm. long are they going to want to hear this shit story from me before I'm, they don't book me anymore and I don't have any money or anything? And I, you know, I always have that pension to fall back on, but I never wanted no, to do that. That's the easy you way. Um, mm. And you don't get it if no, you don't work. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's one. Of, I think that's one of the biggest flaws in the Australian military yeah. is. If you work, you don't get your pension. So how in America you get it no matter what. American American soldiers, I've heard a lot of them that I know complain about the conditions. They get their pension, whether they work or not. They get free medical for them and their their family for the rest of their lives. And they get the GI Bill, free college um, degree for them or anyone else in their family. But yet I got no retraining. I got only medical for me if I'm living in Australia. And I don't get my pension because yeah. I work. Yeah. So where's the motivation for people to go and work when they could be sitting back on their cockles doing nothing, but in turn, then DVA is going to have to fork out more because yeah. what happens when you don't work and you lose your value and your exactly. motivation? Yeah. You start getting depressed. Yep. You start yeah. getting PTSD. Yep. Yep. Then they've got to fork out more money. Yep. If you want people to work, give them, give them motivation to work. Let them go and risk you know, doing something new exactly, and learning yeah. something new while they're getting yeah. their pension. Yeah. You know? So I, I feel like that's pretty stupid. Um but it is what it is. Um, and where was I? So, uh, speeching, uh, talking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Getting into your, so your new career. I, I went to my, my boss, Russ Crawford, one day, and I said, hey, hey, sir, what's the chance of me going back to the teams? And he said, under this administration, zero. So I decided that was when I decided to leave. That's it. And I thought, you know what? What, what year was that, Paul? That was uh, August 2012. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and so um, – I, I looked back on all of the big, scary decisions that I'd made mm. in my life from, uh, you know, leaving Canberra to joining the Army to mm-hmm. changing to the Navy to all of those big, scary decisions that I'd made were all the best decisions I'd mm. ever made. Mm. You know, getting out there and doing something that you're scared of, that you're worried about, that you're fearful for, you know, 
they they improve your life. Mm. They the, they create challenges. They create uncomfortable scenarios that allow you to grow as a human being and grow in career and grow in personality, grow in strength. And so I thought, you know, this is another one of those. I'm going to leave my security blanket and I'm going to try and do this speaking. And it just got bigger and bigger, yeah, and bigger yeah. to the point, you know, I, I got to put out a book. I got to speak to, you know, I did hundreds of them. I got to do Anzac Day talks yeah. in front of 3,000 yeah. people. I had That's old cool. men, like old World War II veterans breaking down in my arms and just such incredible feedback, so many nice things to say about how I've helped out people. 100%, yeah. You know, self-harmers, yeah. talking about that in the book. I had a guy at Bondi Junction pull me up and say, man, I'm so grateful to you. You know, I thought I was alone and mm. I read your book and I'm a self-harmer and it really helped yeah. me. Yeah, wow. All those little things, you know. That's and good. the fact that I could turn my two greatest fears into my greatest strengths. You know, I think if, if you make the simple choice to try and, and get outside your comfort zone, to embrace being uncomfortable and realising that's when you grow – the choice to be happy and motivated and positive because that's where it comes mm. from at all. Mm. This is our only power, our true power, our power of choice. So choose to be happy. Exactly. Surround yourself with yeah. things that make you happy, make you motivated. Exactly. And, and go out into the world and do something that you, you'll be proud of and you worked hard for. Yeah. That is where happiness comes from. You know? And so the fact that I could do that for a lot of other people really um, fulfills my life. I, I got to turn my two greatest fears into my two greatest strengths. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm terrified of public speaking yep. and sharks. And sh- I'm yeah. literally a public speaking shark dog. Oh, yeah, man. We've seen you over the last, you know, obviously, you know, since you left the army and doing all this public speaking, mate, you've been all over the news, you've been around the world multiple times. You've been on Shark Week, just walking shark, down shark the pier, huge. Just hanging out with Will Smith, you know, just powwow buddies now you know what I mean like it's just been incredible obviously to you know share your story like it's yeah I've been very very fortunate yeah what would have happened if you weren't in the water that day and you were still an able-bodied person would you still be a a clearance diver to this day probably not yeah I I don't know I don't know I I don't really look on the past like that like I don't look to the future um I have things that I would like to do and things that I will um strive to do yeah. But I, I, I don't look back on mm. what could have been and who I could have been because there's no point. That's that's another. That's exactly. It's a different life. That's yeah. you know, that's Paul on in another dimension that followed a separate path where oh, I was I was an yeah. asshole and I didn't let Lockie get out of yeah. the water and now Lockie's yeah. dead. You know, so yeah. this this life, yeah. I've learned to put not put a limit on it mm. because you put a limit on something, whatever it is that yeah. you think you're capable of, and that's where it is. Yeah, fuck you yeah. know, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So why put a limit on? And dude, I'm like literally fucking skydive 15,000 feet with one leg with a robot leg a hook on my hand into the ocean for two days two nights yeah. surrounded by sharks with no food or water I did you know, I did watch that episode yeah yeah popping bags of my own <laughs> blood surrounded by tiger sharks working with Mike <laughs> Tyson like, dude there is no fucking way in my life I could have imagined that my life would be this good from the worst thing that's ever happened yeah. to me has come the greatest reward and yeah it's imagine so if big, someone but because I made it that way Exactly right. Yeah, you did. You, you could you yeah. could have sat back and just did fucking nothing yeah. and taken your pension and, yeah. and just become a fucking imagine lazy. Someone said, Paul, in sudden in so many years' time, you know, when you were like fifteen, you're going to be on a one of Discovery's biggest shows called Shark Week. You'd be like, Shark what? Yeah, you'd be just like, what? And yeah, <laughs> I, I say that to people here still. They're like, what are you doing in America? I'm like, on oh, Shark Week. What's that? 
Dad, it's Shark yeah, Week. I'm not, I'm not yeah. in America anymore. Yeah, they don't have Fox Shark Week is a phenomenal. Shark Week's big here. All, all it's massive on Fox. As soon as it comes up on Fox, yeah. Yeah. You have Fox your face pops. Yeah, you're on the new that's, Discovery that's Channel. Yeah. Thing, yeah. You're on the new ad. There's a new ad out. Oh, is there? I think there's a new ad yeah, in Europe. I haven't seen that. Well, oh, is that the singing one? Yeah, it made you sing. Yeah, it made you sing. It still pops up on Fox. I'm like, there he is. So embarrassing. So at the moment, you live in LA, but here we're here in Bondi this morning. You're in your Airbnb apartment. You're here for how many more weeks? I'm going to be here until the next the next shoot starts May 4th. So I've got so uh, work, working with Robert Irwin, which is going to be oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sick. My That's friend, cool. My friend Madison Stewart, who's a big yeah. shark conservationist. Cool. We're going to head up to the Gold Coast um, and introduce him to sharks up there. Then we're going to go down to the Neptune Islands, introduce him to the big oh, great whites. Oh, see, yeah. uh, so that should be fun. You know, I, I prefer the science stuff. I prefer the shows where I get to learn yeah, from the yeah. big brains. Yeah. But, you know, if I I get to do some cool yeah. stuff. It'll be cool to hang out with. Like, I'm an ambassador for Steve Irwin's um, Wildlife Warriors. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've been for a long time. I hosted the Steve Irwin Gala Dinner in Brisbane and Los oh, Angeles. Cool. And so the, I, I love the Irwins. They're so sweet. Bing's yeah, just yeah. a sweetheart. Terry's great. So um, it should be a good time. But, you know, I'd rather be doing something crazy like parachuting or yeah. like <laughs> learning from the scientists yeah. and you know teaching because I see my job as being a conduit between yeah. the actual shark experts and the audience whereby I can tease the answers and things I want to know out of the scientists and yeah. teach it to people in the audience yeah. and then go and do something crazy and cool and show yeah. people yeah, that sharks aren't something that need to be killed yeah yeah, that's any uh, movies like Shark Nado three? Would you be in the? If they asked you to be in <laughs> yeah, Shark Nado, of course. Like, I'm actually a little disappointed they didn't. Um, but I got to do some acting. <laughs> I, I just thought of that then. <laughs> I got to do some acting back here. I was in a, a show called Fighting Season. Yeah, I watched it. I was telling him about it, chatting about this on morning, the drive yeah. down. I yeah. tell you what, man, I would rather dive with great white sharks than do a full nude strip yeah. scene on stage. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't watched that. Oh, I might have yeah. to find it. That was yeah. that was nerve wracking. <laughs> is there a, there's a season two? Is that going to happen? Or I they, don't think do they so. Go, Not that I've heard. Yeah, because if they do, can you make sure they bash their berets? Probably, dude. I did, bro. <laughs> they were terrible. Uh, I'm like, bash that fucking beret. Was it all just terrible? Oh, was it? All just like, some of them were just like wearing them like had, fucking chef hats. They oh, had oh, military advice as well. <laughs> did they? Like, have they told you about how to bash these braids? And I'm like, no. Have they told you to shave them? Yeah. Shave, shave them, yeah. What do you mean shave them? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who are these military advisors? And so they had, um, they had, they were doing one scene where they had yeah. people standing along the street and a funeral procession yeah. and they had chicks in the maroon braid. Yeah, I saw, like, I saw that. Yeah. No, 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 they didn't. In the, in the show, they didn't. Because, oh, they didn't? Because there was, there was no girls wearing maroon braids in, you know, the year that the show was based. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, Girls aren't no. allowed to wear the maroon beret. No. Like that's a bit sexy. I'm like, hey, I don't make the rules. No, no, just, yeah, that's just the, the way yeah. it was. Yeah, you know. So they had to change all the yeah. girls' berets into crap hats. Um, but really cool experience. Um, yeah. Working with Jay Ryan, incredible yeah. guy. Julian yeah, Murray, a couple of good actors in there. Yeah. yeah, Aussie actors. Um, and just it, it's much different to being in a documentary. It was so much that's easier. It. And you have an IMDb profile, which is pretty. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you're, you're our first guest more? with a yeah. You're, oh, a, you're yeah. our first actor. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I call myself an actor. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, sort of. You are. Like, you are. You so, are on the casting so couch. <laughs> like, in, in what I do, the documentaries. There's no lines. I got to come up with all the lines. I got to come up with oh, all the you? action. I've yeah, got to really? I've got to do everything. Yeah, right. That was like they give you lines, and all you got to do is pretend you're someone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. I was great at it. I I'm just saying it was easier easy, yeah. than having to come up yeah, with yeah, everything yeah. and be interesting. Yeah, right. And, yeah, right. You have to be this um, amplified version of yourself. Yeah. Like, you, you got to be a little Steve Irwin, 
But never go full Steve Irwin. Yeah, yeah. It's like never uh, go chopping full kind of. yeah. Never go full. <laughs> never go full Steve Irwin. You just come across stupid. But you got to give me a little sprinkling of Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, got, yeah. Oh, yeah, crazy. <laughs> now I'm gonna put my thumb up his butt. Yeah. Yeah. Touching, <laughs> touching on Shark Week, Paul. What was the most coolest experience on Shark Week? Bro, so many. You've been on for since eight, eight, ten years. Did you say? Uh, I think my first interview was 2013. My first hosting was 2014. I've been on contract with them for four years now, and they've just yeah. renewed for another mm. two. Awesome. Um, so I've done, dude, I've done so much stuff. The whole parachuting thing. Uh, I, and I wanted to do parachuting before that because I really want to show injured people, disabled people, yeah. and people that aren't, that might judge disabled people, yeah. that your only limitation is the limitation you put on yourself. Mm. And I, I, mm. was, I was concerned that I'd turn up and I'd say, I want to skydive, and they're like, sorry, you can't. Mm. Yeah. So when this show came along, I said, hey, we're going to get you to parachute into the ocean. I was like, are you going to pay for my parachute course? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, because the year before we'd done the survival show already where they yeah, blew up yeah. our boat and we had to drift through the ocean surrounded yeah. by sharks. Yeah. It's horrible. I had a pee rash wetsuit, a pee, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. P, P rash from my wetsuit yeah. for wearing it for two days. And I was like, no, I'm never doing that again. Then I'm like, all right, if you're going to pay for Let's my do it. Yeah. So I went along and did my A and B license, worked it out, used a hook, um, and gave myself a bruised tailbone for the first two weeks. But you know, I wanted to show people that you can do whatever you want as long as you, you know, yeah. use the right yeah, tools, yeah. you have the right mindset. So that was really, really amazing just to get yeah, yeah. qualified. I can yeah. literally go parachute anywhere in, in the world now. That's so cool. Um, but I just have to buy a new parachute because the uh, the jump master who was supposed to look after our shoots after we jumped in the yeah, ocean yeah, didn't yeah. and my shoot got ruined. Oh. Yeah, so it was all modified for left-hand pull and all yeah, that yeah. and now I don't have a parachute. So awesome. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I might be able to hook you up on one in the, in the US. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, well, one of the boys from three uh andy stewart he's he's a sky god okay basically he's a civvy now but he's contracted to the sof over there and oh. basically just teaches them how to do all that bullshit so i'm he's sure he'd so be able to, good i'm sure he'd be able to knock off something yeah, i do miss it <laughs> I miss it a lot. Yeah, they, they can do that a lot over there 100% they do yeah yeah. Um, you take anything from the Australian military, you get hunted down by yeah. the military. Oh, mate, obviously, they're like, still calling me now. Where's my trunk? Where's my? Where's the pack? <laughs> yeah. We issued them up. Like, Fucking never getting it back. Um, yeah, you know, meaning they always give me the celebrity shows because they know that I don't really give a shit. Yeah, like, I'm, they're just normal people, and plus, you know, they're in my world. Yeah, you know, so Ronda Rousey, her and her husband Travis Brown are still mm. really good friends to this day. Yeah, you know, that's they look cool. after my dog sometimes. We go and hang out at their place. Um, um, so meeting really cool people like oh, yeah. Andy Casagrande, one of the hosts, Joe Romero. Yeah. Um, just working in, in small, awesome teams that band together like the mm. military to mm. to accomplish a very tactically challenging goal. You know, not just creating a documentary, but creating a documentary where we are ri- risking our lives. Mm. It's I don't think there's too much television out mm. there where the hosts are actually risking their lives. Um Everything stunt doubles and it's yeah. you know, made safe yeah, and yeah. all this. There's all safety protocols. There's nothing, bro. There's no way I pop that bag of blood and a tiger shark attacks me. There's no way anyone's going to get to me in time. No, to help me. no chance. Uh, Shit, all no. Tiger me. shark too. Yeah. And teaching Ronda Rousey how to hand feed bull sharks. Yeah, no. You know, diving with Mike Tyson. You know, that's- Mike Tyson, yeah. mate. Let's let's go to that for a second. <laughs> Hot boxing with Mike. That's it, because he's got a. Obviously, everyone knows who he is. His yeah. Instagram was a hot boxing, hot yeah, boxing that's podcast. His podcast, yeah. yeah, it's good. And it's really he good. Uh, diving with sharks with Mike Tyson. Like, it's a, what it's the insane. hell, mate? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, 
the the first dive I did with him was in a pool. <laughs> And we yeah. had this animatronic shark and we were just – I was teaching him how to deal with the shark. And we, the first thing we had to do was dive from the shallow end to the deep end. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's go underwater. Yeah. He wasn't kicking his legs. He had fins on him. He was bare crawling what? through the water. What? Yeah, and I'm like, Mike, Mike you got to <laughs> kick yeah, you your legs. <laughs> but he's so broken that he can barely do anything. My friend yeah. Brad actually hooked him up to this really expensive machine which gets him going and stuff really? like that. Really? But he couldn't He couldn't kneel down on the bottom of the pool because his knees were fired. Yeah. All he'd yeah. do was like fall backwards. <laughs> so I got I to grab him by the tank and And so I was just thinking, because I wasn't supposed to dive with him in the actual show mm. with the sharks. Mm. Okay. No, I'm the guy watching the screen describing what's going on to yep. the camera. And we get out there and like, all right, Paul, uh, you're going to be diving with Mike the whole time. I'm like, fuck. God damn. Fuck while looking after a child. Oh my God, because he was so scared in such a shit <laughs> underwater. We had him head to toe in chainmail, and he's so scared of sharks. He goes to the bottom, grabs every shark, put like bear, bear hug, hug around a shark's tail, and go, what are you doing? And he's like, he's got the chainmail on, so he's not going to like yeah. lose a limb or anything. He doesn't have chainmail on his face. Yeah. He's got a mask. A shark goes in, is rip his face off. Yeah, yeah. And he's just in there in the throng of it, looking like he's invincible while terrified, like punching fish. Yeah, right. I wonder if the, all, they, all the sharks knew, like it's reincarnation. They're like, oh, fuck shit. It's my cousin. It's Bruce. The, 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 the animal activist people Bruce. weren't happy about it. What, Mike Tyson punching fish? Yeah. <laughs> he would have knocked shit out. I just want everyone to know neither was I. Neither were any of us. What was he punching fish for? <laughs> it's Mike Tyson, Get that anger. It's Mike Tyson. Mate, holy shit. That's but, awesome. Uh, you know, but a really nice guy. Yeah. He was very sweet. I was going to ask I got that, along yeah. with him really well, and his son was there a lot of the time. Mm. I was just listening in, and, you know, he was giving his son really great fatherly yeah, advice yeah. on how to be a man and how to interact mm. with people. His son was great. I, I get along really well with him and got to go over to his house in the Bahamas when we were there and watch the UFC with him and the guys yeah. and flew back on the private plane with him and all the rest of the production had yeah, to do that. The 22-hour commercial flight, <laughs> seven hours That's cool. Bahamas to LA. I was like, yeah, Did you- eat my Beyond Burger. <laughs> yeah. you know, Mike Tyson on the <laughs> yeah. private plane. That's legit. Are you? Have you gone to his ranch? No, I haven't been to the ranch yet. Um, yeah. Been out to the, his training gym mm, and okay. stuff like that. But, yeah, because yeah. apparently his ranch is pretty pretty wild. Yeah, they're going to turn it into some sort of holistic yeah. ranch. Yeah, you can uh, smoke weed and yeah. shit and do whatever yeah. you want. He does smoke a lot. He does, yeah. That's all he does yeah. on, his, yeah. on his podcast. He got, he got really frustrated <laughs> one day and he threatened to kill the whole crew. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Go around punching people. Oh, he's like, because we were trying to get out of him why he was doing it for the camera. Yeah. I was like, Mike, you know, why, why are you doing this? Mm. Why are you risking? He's like, for the money. My wife wants the money. I think she's trying to kill me. And I was like, I can't put that on camera. And I'm like, and so the, the production takes him inside and like, you know, Mike, can you give us a little bit more? Can you, maybe you can talk about overcoming fear. You've got this fight coming up. He's like, y'all are trying to put words in my mouth. I'm look, stop put, stop trying to tell me what to say. I'm scared of these sharks, but I'm not scared of killing all you. Just got threatened by Mike Dyson. Yeah. So, so me and the lads got in some weed and made him laugh and he, you know, Chilling diving as you do. Um, no, but it was it was a cool experience. Um, it, some really, really great times out with the guys on the yeah. boat. Learning all about sharks, yeah. people, and trying to help these animals that are being absolutely decimated 
That's it. I see it as a a transformation, not a transformation, a transfer of my military service. Mm. What do we do in the military? Our job is to stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves. And at the moment, sharks are being decimated. They don't have a voice. So my job is to stand Mm. up for them and be the voice for an animal (laughs) that can't speak for itself. Sorry, it's pretty funny down there trying to look after the sharks and Tyson's bunch of fish. (laughs) 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 The fish that get there to help him and he's just giving right hooks out. Hey, um, touching on uh, your no, no limits approach, would you ever go on the SAS um, Australia show with that, that pommy bloke? Only if I was the host. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm not really into being a contestant on things anymore. I'm yeah. more like mm. the host. As you know, I like to punish people. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I'm sure if it, like the Channel 7 or someone got – like it pisses me off. They've chosen Ant Middleton, I think that's his name, chosen these pommy bastards to come from overseas yeah. to come here when we got a plethora of, of dudes in Australia that are just badass as well. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I've never watched it. I haven't watched it either. No, one of them actually it. in Australia at the moment. Um, They're about to film it. They're, they're casting now for oh, it. Okay. Channel yeah, 7. so that's why he's here. Yeah, um, but you know, I've got I've got a small coffee company as well with, oh, uh, with What's that? guy. It's called Striker Coffee Company. Okay, oh, that's your um, yeah. yeah, right. There you go. That's me and um, uh, one of the dudes from the regiment. Yeah, and, right. And our mutual friend yeah. Ian Norton yeah, 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 used yeah. to be a celebrity security guard. And oh, cool. So we're tied in with uh, you know the the two main things that we're trying to do for the coffee companies is give people an amazing coffee, mm. but then also help out veteran causes. And of course, yeah. Now we raised something like eighteen thousand dollars for the Commando Welfare Trust. Yeah, right. um, awesome. A couple of weeks ago, they had a big a big auction. Um, we, we were part of Cam's cause and yeah, some other yeah. things. So um, we've got a leaf a leaf brand law enforcement fire for the services to yeah. raise money for them. Yeah. So it's it's and it's. Fucking good coffee. Is like, it? I gotta be honest, it's really good. Some. We've got yeah. um, a blend called Danger Close, which is oh, like I've a, seen it, yeah. a pre-workout. Yeah, okay. That shit will knock your socks. Is it? Yeah. All right. It's really, really good. We'll so, have to have some for the drive um, Yeah, you're right. We do have great SF dudes out here that yeah, have plenty of personality. It pisses me off. Like, yeah. and I guess obviously it's all because of the shit that's going on over, you know, about Afghanistan and stuff that. I don't want to get yeah, it. Yeah, you, know, you know what our government's like, mate. Barrage uh, report and stuff going on at the moment. So. Yeah, there's Too nothing weak. better for them to do. Exactly, mate. Just <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're busy uh, selling off the country. Yeah, yeah. fuck China. Non-stop. Paul, can we <laughs> chat about your um, prosthetics? Yeah, man. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. start. We'll go from head, head uh, to toe. Uh, one thing, um, actually, like the defence, obviously – they look after you. DVA. DVA. Oh, DVA. Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm a civilian. Yeah, of course. And uh, not like this shit is definitely not cheap. And no, this that looks the, like carbon fiber. I'm, I'm very fortunate. These are the best in the world. And everyone in the military gets this. And even in the American military and stuff, you can still get all of this stuff. I ran into a bloke. Um, he was oh, he was uh, in Harvey Bay when we were filming. And he saw me on TV and he's like, oh, I've, I've never, I've, I haven't had an arm for so mm. long. And do you reckon DVA would? pay for me to have an arm and they're like nah they're not going to give that to you and so he contacted me got a robot arm yeah, he's right. like man I got to thank you so much well for, done you know, same yeah, with nice. a guy that was missing a leg and so like holy shit I want one of those legs that DeGelder's got and didn't think he'd be able yeah. to get it when he yeah. got it yeah um, it's about you know with the leg and the fitting and the socket and stuff it's probably about 200 grand for this leg fuck um, for this leg yeah six, uh, six micro processors accelerometers gyroscopes I don't know what any of that shit does I don't I've never, never what it is but it's, it's yeah. waterproof um, yep. there's a running mode but I don't actually have the running foot so I well I can yeah. run it's kind of like being a grandpa yeah. do you have like the blades like, yeah I've got um, the blades <laughs> yeah the, the yeah. 3S80 uh, yeah. it's the same blade that the uh, 
Paralympic shoes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, really good stuff. I got a, a diving leg as well. I got a snowboarding leg. No, I still haven't used a snowboarding leg yet. I really want to – I'm trying to get a, uh, a surfing leg at the moment, but they don't actually exist in the prosthetic companies. Mm. I'm trying to find someone to um, build it for me. Um, also, I just lost my weightlifting hook, which oh. on a dive with the sharks. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. Now, I, yeah, so I've got to try and find someone that's really good with working with metal and build me another hook. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, And then the hand is uh, – this is about mm, – all up about $90,000. Wow. It's called the Michelangelo. It's made by the same company as the leg Autobock out of So Germany. the people who – we don't have the video up now, but um, Paul has got a remote control body hand here and it is moving quite fluidly. Yeah. Um, the way it operates is uh, you see that hole there and a yeah. hole there. So yeah. inside those holes um, pressed against my skin are two sensors and they detect the muscle, muscle. activation. Yep. So if I flex that forearm muscle. The radial opens, head in the forearm there. I flex that muscle gotcha, there, gotcha. it closes. If I want to change the grip, Man. give it a little flick. Beeps twice and goes to beer drinking group. <laughs> what the hell? Is that perfect size for a skin? Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's no, there's no body heat, so it th- keeps the beer cool. <laughs> yeah, right. I, th- <laughs> I thought that the arm would be a lot more expensive than that leg. No, uh, because the hand the hand just opens and closes. Man, that, yeah, is, that is wild. Yeah, it's, it's a $90,000 beer holder. Let's, does, let's be honest. <laughs> when you first got this, um, sorry, was this your first arm or have you had many no. arms before this? Uh, this is... This is the second brand I've had, but there hasn't really been any advancements in it. Okay. Um, the first hand I had was called an eye limb. Uh, I used to break it all the time because it was just every, all the fingers were joined with plastic. You had to wear a glove that was kind of like a thick condom yeah, because yeah. it was all plastic. It, like you couldn't mm, hold on mm. to anything. So you had to have this sticky glove to make it yeah. like, grab onto things and not drop it. So everything would get stuck to it. It'd be covered in hair and oh, okay, lint gotcha, and all gotcha. that. So when I found this one, I was like, hell yeah, it looks more aesthetically like a hand it, it moves quicker it, it's stronger um it just doesn't have all the little things that you can do with it like i used to be able to give the finger and- <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah that is cool so but this like i like this hand it's it's also just nice to have something hanging out of your sleeve yeah um so but it's, it's great technology the the research into it has slowed down a lot now mm. because there's you know technically the war's over okay you know, gotcha. no, one, no, no one really cares about this there's no one coming home missing limbs exactly. and stuff yeah. anymore so the the american government's not throwing billions of dollars into it like they used to so it kind of it went up really sharp yep. and then it plateaued out and then it's just like just yeah. just there yeah. there's you know they're not advancing what more of the research is going into how they can make this stuff um, cheaper for people that can't afford this okay. brand. So there's companies like Open Bionics that are um, open sourcing how to uh, make these with 3D printers and things like that. Yeah, so they've okay. come down from like, you know, $90,000 to 8000 Oh, wow. They're that is very not, good. Not quite as strong, not quite as capable, but better than not having something. And you, know, you, can, you can get your own little Iron Man hand or yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, the girls can get I don't know, something else. Whatever they want. <laughs> uh, fro- frozen, I don't know. <laughs> what, with the hand, how can you pick up a pen or a toothpick? Like what's yeah, the- yeah. It's, it's, it's fairly strong. So you got a big man hand, so you know, it, it's strong. Yeah, it's firm. that is pretty strong. Yeah. Wow. I can pick up little things. Okay, wow. Okay, so the fucking technology, eh? It's only going to get better. You know, Hopefully. 10, 15 yeah. years. Hopefully. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny because I was watching videos of you on YouTube, obviously before this podcast, get a bit more information about you and it was bringing up all this other stuff about 
full replacements and there was this guy like a year ago had full face transplant. Hey. I was just getting stuck in this rabbit hole. Yeah, you were going <laughs> down. Two o'clock in the morning into a rabbit hole and this guy got a face plan and two hands put on as well. Wow. Oh, yeah. Apparently it still works. Like it's just working now. Yeah, I did talk to my, my surgeons about that and they're like, you don't want that. No. Like you know nah. drugs. Not you now have anyway. To take the anti rejection drugs oh, really? that's it. destroy that's your it. body. Yeah. Hands will never Well they work said this guy's the only guy that's it's only in the world that's the only one that's been accepted. The rest of all just they've had yeah. to remove them. But, um, you know, who knows, in 50 years' yeah. time you can basically choose a hand or something. That's amazing. What about uh, driving? Do you got a car hooked up, what, fully over in, over in LA? Five-litre supercharged Jaguar. <laughs> so it's, two cars are so cheap over there. Wow. Yeah, they are, aren't I've they? never had a fancy car in my life. Yeah, I was always yeah. a motorcycle rider. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had a – when I got attacked, I had an Aprilia RSVR 1000. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Bike. And I this is what thing. I've heard, uh, you know, when you did get attacked and you're in the boat, yeah, should mate <laughs> to look after your bike. Yeah, like, Did bro, you? can you make sure someone looks after my motorbike? I don't think I'm driving home today. It's like, I was like, being cheeky. I don't like, think I'm know, driving Paul, you, you're dying. Stop joking. Do you like, know what's funny? It's like you're on this like sexy sports bike and Lenny C. and Bar used to bloody ride a scooter. Oh, Remember yeah, the, all the boys rode scooters. Bah, he's this hard-ass yeah. dude, but he gets on yeah. the scooter. He's about five foot ten yeah, tall. Yeah. Dude, we had, we had Kiwi, <laughs> Kiwi Bowl, a big, big Maori dude. Gigantic. Oh, he's uh, up. Yeah, I remember him. Driving a scooter or, yeah. or posty bike. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. dude was huge, man. He, like, his arms yeah. are the size of your legs. Oh, yeah, we had one guy back in the battalion as well, scooter, Motorbike, uh, motocross helmet, and he used to wear gardening gloves. That's all he had. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, that's all I got, and I don't yeah. want to buy anything. Well, Aprilia were nice enough to, uh, at DVA, they modified a motorcycle for Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, right. But I can't seem to get it into America. It's been sitting in a the oh, here, warehouse it? for five years. So how does, because how does it- no one will help me get it to America. I've, I've written to all these import-export companies. They're like, yeah, we'll help you. What are the details? I'm like, oh, it's this bike. It's been modified for me. I I never hear from him again. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's just sitting here in Sydney. I can't get it. Can't ride it. That's a load of shit. They can get, get drugs into America. They can get guns <laughs> yeah, into America. Yeah. They can't get a bloody motorbike. I know. It's, it's weird. Um, <laughs> Let, let's talk about your time over in LA. Yeah. How do you, do you, do you love it or is it a bit, bit chaotic? Uh, I, I do love it for what it is. Yeah. Um, most people there have been extremely welcoming to me. They're very friendly. Um, and I, the reason I went there was because it was the next step. In yeah. Um, I, I, it wasn't like I'd outgrown Australia or I didn't want to be here. It was just like there's more opportunity mm. there. There's more opportunity for growth in this co- new career path that I've chosen. And so I figured, you know, I'm getting pretty good at hosting these shows. I wouldn't mind having a go at, you know, either hosting or co-hosting my own series into something and, you know, teaching people about overcoming things yeah. or having adventures mm. and yeah. things like that. So I figured that is the perfect place to go and do it. Oh, and, it is um, America, yeah. I've had a couple of close calls. You know, Xbox gave me my own series and yeah, ended right. up going to Africa to hunt poachers with Damien Manda. And was he ex-Australian SAS? clearance diver. Was he? Yeah. I remember watching the show and he, he employs all females yeah. and he's a yeah. vegan. Yeah. 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 So yeah. He's, yeah. he's the guy that turned me vegan. Um, and I was working with him when he was with all the guys, but yeah. they, they kept getting corrupted. Mm. And so he switched dynamics and started employing all girls. And there's a wonderful documentary on it called Akashinga. Yeah. Uh, everyone should watch it. It's really powerful. 
So I worked with him to create this show called Fearless. It was one episode and basically I was going to travel the world embedding into these uh, groups of people that risked their lives to make the world a better place. Mm. Uh, and so we made this show. It was amazing handling. Like they gave me a five-minute lesson on how to handle a snake and then gave me a deadly black mamba. <laughs> Sweet. And it nearly bit me because I couldn't let go of it because I turned the robot hand off. It was manic. Um, so we made that show, handed it into Xbox, and then the executives decided they didn't want to do television anymore. Assholes. Mm, you know, that failed there. And then a couple of other shows have almost got there. So, But it's it's kind of on the back burner for me now. Yeah, like yeah. I have other things that I'm yeah. doing. I've started a new company managing government contracts. Because I understand, you know, the, the thing that I always worried about, what if TV doesn't want me anymore? Mm. What if, you know, mm. you've always got to have a backup. Well, plan. you do, what, yeah, definitely. What if, what if you become unhappy in your job? Yeah. What if you become unemployed? What if COVID hits? You know, that sort of thing and you lose your job. You've always got to have a backup. Plan. Yeah. Have something in the back of your mind that you're working on on the side, a passion project yep. that if all goes to shit, maybe you can turn that passion project into a job. And so I always have my fingers in, it might be an LA thing, but everyone seems to have like six jobs in LA. Oh, right, okay. Um, and so I, I actually really enjoy that. But, you know, I get to train at Gold's Gym. Yeah, yeah, that's Arnold cool. Schwarzenegger says g'day. I've been there a couple of times. He doesn't say g'day, yeah. he says hello to me every that's morning. That's it. Yeah, um, that is cool. Had a ten minute conversation with Van Dam one day. <laughs> Could not understand a fucking word he said. And this is why Van Dam only has like one line. He, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he gets onto a roll, and his accent's so thick. I'm just like, uh huh. Yeah. And, I, and plus, I'm deaf. Yeah. From all the yeah. guns, military, and all, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So the music's playing. He's talking in. Um, uh, Brussels-ish, what yeah. they speak? Yeah. I don't know. What yeah. They're, they're like Brussels Dutch or something. Yeah. Like, they're all Dutch. So I can't that. understand. I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, as much as I want to keep talking to Van Damme, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. So. Van Damme. Yeah. But, when, when you're over there, do people know who you are? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, though. I get pulled up more on the street for being oh, on Casey Neistat's. Yeah, five that's right. YouTube video yeah. than I do for six. That's it, because he's massive channel. on the YouTube world. Yeah. Is that sorry? Casey, Casey Neistat. Yeah, just a, just a YouTuber. Hello, that is. Yeah, he's one, one, of, one of the original oh, big yeah. YouTube guys. Okay, gotcha. Um, Fifty million subscribers something or something like crazy that. like yeah. that. He's he's a really good guy. Shit. Um, so yeah, just great opportunities, great stories. That's awesome. you know, it, 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 it's a polarizing place though as well. Like the amount of divide that I've seen the politics yeah. over there create and now COVID mm. is created and people are losing family members because mm. of this polit- political mm. stuff. And I'm like, these people literally don't give a fuck about you. Why is everyone getting so exactly. wrapped up yeah. in Democrat or Republican, yep. Yep. Uh, vaccine, non-vaccine, like just- Just live life. Bigger problems. That's it. That. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So anyway, I don't get wrapped up in that. Nah, I never talk about politics. Nah, I just don't do it. I'm nah. just happy and love everyone yeah, and exactly. share the motivation. And, you know, my dog's out there with me now. So yeah. he's a very handsome dog. We can't go anywhere. What is yeah. it? He's a, I, got, I got him uh, from Blacktown Pound, actually. Okay. He's a Great Dane cross plot hound. And he's what, the hell, what the hell's a plot hound? Uh, it's, a, it's a type of hound brought over from Germany by yep. the Plot Brothers. Yeah. He, they're not that great looking, but the combination of the two, like he's got this big block, yeah. massive paws, skinny body, yeah. and he's just trying to like, oh, flops around, he's scared of everything. Every, everyone loves him. He's such a handsome And he's over in, in LA. I, I play second fiddle to my dog. It's ridiculous. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's in LA with my buddy Josh at the moment, uh, Aussie actor. Um, yeah, so it's good, man. Like I'll stay there for a while. I'll get another two years uh, on my next visa. Yeah. See mm. what I can make happen, but – I'm, I miss Australia. I'm, yeah. I miss 
the beautiful yeah, of course. beaches here. Yeah, yeah. You know, coming back to Bondi, I feel like I've forgotten how gorgeous the women yeah, are. Man. <laughs> Dude. And, I've, you know, we've just had Sea Spiracy come out as well, so yes, the new yep. documentary, and uh, I've been getting pulled up on the street a lot about that, and people have been really incredible, mm. such great feedback. Awesome. Uh, a lot of people contacted me on social media about how they didn't know how at risk our oceans were and how they're never going to eat fish again, and, you know, that's the goal. Like, yeah. There's some, there's some stuff going around about, oh, it's, you know, it's um, racial and it's about white privilege. Mm. I'm like, what movie are you watching? Mm. This is a, literally a documentary about saving our oceans ocean. by yeah. stop, stopping people yeah. eating fish. And it's not that we expect everyone's going to stop yeah. eating fish. Yeah. But if the people that give a fuck enough about the ocean That'll would change. do it, yeah. then maybe it'll change. Yeah. You know, maybe – It'll they slow it down. down. Yeah. It'll slow the destruction yeah. down because we are on a one-way path to the end of the world. Oh, 100%. That's, that's, and that's, that's, that's a given. That's no exaggeration. That's a given. Yeah, that's yeah. a given. Yeah. Maybe we're going to destroy ourselves. Yep. There's too many of us mm-hmm. to start off with, but yeah, that's that's that, another rabbit hole. That's why down. COVID virus is here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I went plant-based too. You know, Damien yeah. planted the seed and some other good friends of mine planted seeds yeah. and I, I came home from Africa and I was like, that's it, I'm going vegan. Yeah. And I lasted two days because I didn't know what the fuck to eat. <laughs> I'm so hungry. <laughs> um, and so I gave it away and then it just kept popping up. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that when the universe is speaking to you, you need to listen because it's for a very good reason. And so I went, all right, I'm going to try again. And I cancelled things out slowly and I started adding more. And I, I've, I, you know, I'm probably healthier than, than I've ever been. That's awesome. I, I don't get lingering injuries. I haven't had a lingering injury mm. since the day that I changed. And I, my elbows and my shoulders and my yeah. back and my knees from – all the parachuting and the chin-ups and the diving and all that were fucked. Bro, I just turned mm. 44 uh, and I'm just as fit and lifting as well as I ever have. And I mm. love it and I feel good in my soul. Um, and so, if, you know, once again, we don't expect that everyone in the world's going to do it. We've got people like Joe Rogan that are yeah. you know, promoting carnivore diets and yeah. stuff like that yeah, yeah. and closed-minded people. Oh, if you, you're not going to eat meat, I'll eat two steaks. And I'm like, oh, fuck, whatever, can <laughs> Be a dick, fucking whatever. Um, but if we can help some more people change, yeah, yeah, to, you know, be a little more understanding and caring and try and stop this wholesale massacre and torture of animals, then cool. You know, mm. that, that makes a big mm. difference. So that, that's I'm not a preachy. Yeah, that's all right. No, that's we, yeah. we all we'll have views. We all have. I try and live by example. You know, yeah. Yeah. Who, who are the the best officers and and non commissioned officers you ever had? They're the ones that lead by example. 100 percent. Yeah, do are. as I do, not do as I say. Exactly. They're the ones. Exactly. They're always doing quiet PT as well. With you, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's they do it. PT with you. They work yeah. with you. You know, they're the Go guys that you look with up you to. as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, mate. And that, yeah, that's funny because you know that's how I've my my company up in Newcastle. I've got uh, seventy plus guys working for me. And I still bounce on the nightclub doors just wow. to lead by example. Yeah, People, that's great. I've had guards like guards I haven't known. They're like, oh. Who are you? I'm like, oh, it's just my first night. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Just, like, just my first night. Like undercover boss. Yeah, undercover boss. Undercover boss. boss. <laughs> Who's this Mexican? <laughs> but yeah, mate, it's one of those military things. Just lead by example. Yeah. And Get if you do that, it, people yeah. are going to go, go to battle for you. And the same yeah. as if you had a good boss back in the army. Like, fuck, we had yeah. a good uh, platoon commander for Afghanistan. He led the way. We followed him everywhere yeah. he went. And when you get out of the military, if you get out and you want to transition into the civilian world, yeah. it's only going to help you. Yeah, there's a group in um, – I was just working with um, doing podcasts and stuff uh, recently in Austin, Texas called the Talent War Group. And um, they literally – their whole job is to work for big companies mm. that want 
to fill leadership positions mm. from um, high-functioning military people yeah, cool. and, and SF dudes. And I talked to him the other day and I was like, are you guys open to having Australian guys and finding jobs for them in America? And they're like, yeah, we just did one for a German guy. So if anyone is is out there looking to transition yeah. or is already transitioned, has yeah, right. great leadership skills or has a specific set of skills from the military that can transfer, then get in touch with these guys, like Talent yeah, War right. Group. Um, and yeah, Talent War Group. Right, I yeah. will get a link they're and we'll two, put on a these thing. These people are getting paid $200,000, dollars because they're, they're executive jobs. Exactly, yeah. 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 And you yeah. don't have to know what the company does half the time. You just have to be a good leader. Yeah. And so, yeah, $200,000, Military mindset. US. Yeah. And working all around no, America. Yeah. So, if, yeah, if anyone is looking for that, just, you know, hit me up. I can, on yeah. Instagram, I can connect you, or you can just go to the website. Yeah. Paul, we might wrap that up, mate. We've been chatting for about 90 minutes now. Cool. But um, I was going to say thank you for the time. I only messaged you the other day, and you got back within about 10 minutes. Um, and at first, I was a bit hesitant. I was like, this bloke was a mean bastard. I was like, <laughs> he, might, he might not be like, he might not even like right back, but um, it has- It's kind of a facade, man. you got to be the- Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. No, it's probably, yeah. probably right though, because Shane is a- he, he, <laughs> a, Shane is a fuck up. <laughs> if Shane judges something, he fucks it. So. Yeah, so was I. Don't worry. I got yelled at so much. <laughs> but uh, I think the last 90 minutes, you- you're probably you have like the most zero limits um, mindset we've ever chatted to in the last life. That's it. Normally we normally have to. two last questions. Is normally what type of you know motivation can you tell or people? The, next, the whole last twenty minutes, you've, it's just been, oh, mate, it's nonstop. It's but uh, incredible. I did serve with a bloke over at Hatchmaker's Waterhead, and I was on the Admiral's Barge, and he was a the Kellogg Stoker there, leading team in Swinton. Yep. I, I think did you know, you know Swinton? Yep. He lost his leg. I think he had cancer. No. Uh, it wasn't a motorcycle accident. Motorcycle, sorry, motorcycle accident. Yeah. He lost his leg um, and he had to prove he wanted to go back to sea. Same thing to you. And he still went to sea serving mm-hmm. as a leading seaman, marine technician yeah, awesome. on a mine hunter. Yeah, he did well. And it's like, man, if anyone's out there in the defense force that like you want to get back in or you're not even in the defense force and you have a job, Paul is still doing what he does. He goes for runs. He goes to the gym. Um, Swinton still went to sea with, with one leg. So nothing is unachievable. Exactly. So. No. But um, Paul, thank you very much, mate. This has yeah, been mate. great. Cheers, lads. It's been absolutely insane. Appreciate um, your time. Happy mate. days. Yeah, and uh, I'd love to catch up in the, in the US because, as I said, I'm always over there with Nitro Circuits, so we'll get you out to a show or something. Dude, get yeah, you, I, got, I got some connections in Nitro yeah. Circus too. There you go. Yeah. Oh, geez, small, small world. Here yeah. we go. Dude, LA, America is so small. Yeah. It is, isn't it? it Especially really, in the entertainment side of things. Yeah, entertainment side and – you yeah. just run into people and they're hanging out with your friends and you're like, how do you know each other? And like, yeah. how do you know each other? Yeah. It's, yeah. You don't think it is, but it really is a, a small world out yeah. there. So, yeah, let's come out. Yeah, 100%. Man, 100%. Beautiful. Take you down to Gold's, get a workout in. Oh, done. <laughs> Talk to Van Dam. <laughs> Talk to Van Dam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, happy days. Thanks, no, guys. Sweet. Thanks for listening to this episode of Zero Limits Podcast with uh, Paul DeGelder. Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. Now quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However, lately I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. 
So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour over filter bags, got some merchandise. And just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our buyer, you see that discount code, use it, get your discounts. So again, jump on to 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.